the Met Gala happened last night. It did. It's honestly so much fun to go online the next day. Or night of. I texted you a series of outfits. And I just okay. want to, like, really quickly run down the list for you, and I want you to tell me camp or not camp. and then we can Oh, my God. I was going to ask you to do the same thing. So you want me to do camp or not camp? Yes. I'm going to okay. just, like, throw the series of names at you. Okay. Okay. I have them Lady in front Gaga. Of me. Camp. Aquafina. Not camp. Tiffany Haddish. Let me see Tiffany Haddish. She's in the suit. Camp. Casey Musgraves. Camp. Diane von Furstenberg. Not camp. Oh, I would argue camp. Why do you say camp? I would argue that DVF is camp for two reasons. One, she's wearing her own face on a print of Annie Warhol, so she's mm-hmm. trying to elevate herself to art. Two, she posted an Instagram of it. She had this selfie, and she was like, 80 years ago, my mother was arrested and sent to Auschwitz. <laughs> Today, I am going as a torch of freedom to the Met Ball. And I think that's sort of like... Not not a self-seriousness, but, like, this, like, pure approach to, like, this is what I'm doing, it makes it camp. I would agree with you to some extent, but you can also argue with all of these that they're not camp because everyone is knowing that they have to be campy. They are trying to be camp. But on the flip side of that, I think, like, Gaga is much, and, like, Tiffany Haddish are much more successful than Katy Perry, who has, she tries so hard. She tries so hard that nothing is, like, her normally is camp because it is so earnest. And often fails. It just, like, it bums me out that, like, you know that, like, the highlight of Katy Perry's year is still being invited to the Met Gala, even though she's really not relevant anymore. And it's, like, a bummer that she is so bad every single year. It makes me so sad. It's kind of shocking how bad she is at it. Did you see the Instagram video of her changing into yes. a hamburger as J-Lo passes just, by? Like, remember last year when she wore just, like, a gold mini dress and, like, some giant wings? That was it. Ugh, that it was also makes all me she add, took. This was Miley Cyrus's time to shine. Wrecking ball. And Ugh. she comes in this, like, green mini skirt. And I'm like, girl, you... Maybe she's the campiest because she didn't try. That's the thing. No, so no, no, I, no, no, no. I kind of think that Kim Kardashian's was really good. I did too because it's so exaggerated and earnest. It's exaggerated and like like self-referential and that like Kim spent 2011 doing the wet look where it's like her hair was always slicked back and it always looked like you had water thrown on her and her dress was literally water thrown on her. That's so funny. Yes. I think it, I just think it's hilarious. I don't know. My brain is really getting twisted up, especially as I was rereading Susan's essay. I don't know why I know her by on a first name basis. It's not true. Me and um, so. uh, Mrs. Sontag's essay notes on camp, and the thing that stuck with me was like, we can't even talk about it. We can't. You can't form it into an idea. It is but a but a sensibility that is amorphous and changing. That's so true. And here's the other thing about camp. It's not what our podcast is about. It's not, which is surprising because we spent a hot five on it. 
We have. What is our um, podcast about? <laughs> well, Casey, it's called What Did I Miss? And it's a podcast where we show each other movies that we like probably should have watched when we were film students, but that we didn't watch because we were bad students. Pro- I was like knitting in my dorm room. What were you doing? Um, honestly, that's a great question that I really don't want to examine too closely. <laughs> Making a series of bad choices. Um. <laughs> This series, we have been watching all four A Star is Borns. A Stars Are Born. All the stars were born. Stars, stars were continued to be born. And this is the last one. This is like the pinnacle of stars being born. Who's the star? The star is now at the forefront of everyone's mind, a la camp, Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga. And the, um, the man helping birth that star is Bradley Cooper. He was gestating the star for quite some time. I think that this was he in was, development. Yeah. Well, a, a series of people were just were gestating the star, and we'll sort of go through that. <laughs> um, so for the last like eight months, I think casually that we've been recording this podcast, <laughs> and it is casual. It is casual. It is. We've been like we had a very casual approach. We have been going through Richard Dyer's stars, which has taught us about stars as. Uh, production phenomenon we've talked about them as image we've talked about them as like character i want to close this reading or this Mm -hmm. podcast series this little mini series took me a while to get there with a quote from richard dyer can i read it to you i would love you to read it to me this this is the last paragraph of stars fourth and finally i feel i should mention beauty pleasure delight The emphasis in this book has been on analysis and demystification. However, we should not forget that what we are analyzing gains its force and intensity from the way it is experienced. When I see Marilyn Monroe, I catch my breath. When I see Montgomery Clift, I sigh over how beautiful he is. And I must add that while I accept utterly that beauty and pleasure are culturally and historically specific, and in no way escape ideology, Nonetheless, they are beauty and pleasure, and I want to hang on to them in some form or another. I really do love that paragraph, and I know you do too, because the way you just read it, I wish I could have videotaped it. Too bad this recorded this an audio form. Too bad. Ephemera. Ephemera. And that's also what he notes, and I'm kind of happy now that we kind of landed on this discussion in camp and can like dip back into it if we mm-hmm. want to or maybe i'm forcing it i don't know we'll see how no, it I goes no i think it'll come up okay good um so, part of the yeah, reason i read that quote is that um a i think we love a star is born and we've demonstrated how much we love a star is born across the decades but my initial response to this movie is not an academic one, and it's not a serious one. I'm just like, dear God, this is the best movie ever made, and I will watch it every day of my life. When did you watch it? I saw it the weekend it came out, which was hmm, October 2018. And I also watched it when it was re-released in March. So you saw those extra 12 minutes. I saw the extra 12 minutes very important 12 minutes and it had like some longer some longer musical sequences basically and i was i hadn't seen it since october 
and I obviously like spent so much time thinking about it and then rewatching it in March I thought it wouldn't be as good and it just like hit me hit me like a truck again so can you tell me about your relationship with Bradley Cooper's A Star Is Born? Thank you um I can uh <laughs> <laughs> thank you I appreciate that <laughs> I appreciate that question and I will now answer it so I watched it in November I watched it late in the game I let a couple weekends pass I let the Twitter storm come and go and then I, like, was at home in New Jersey, and I was like, it's time to go to my home theater where I've seen so many a movie and, like, catch this star where we saw right the out intern? of the birth canal. Where we did see the intern, God, yes, at Clearview theater. Cinemas, yes, in New Jersey. I don't know if that's a docs. Um, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I don't know what doxing means. Um, yeah, I saw it with, like, one of my best home friends, which was good. Because we've also seen a lot of Nancy Myers movies in that theater, and I was expecting to feel that same mm-hmm. sort of comfort and like uh, kind of being cradled by the experience. And I was, to be honest, even though it was really sad because I knew mm-hmm. how it was going to end. I actually thought maybe it would end differently, but it didn't. <laughs> I mean, it did end differently in that it's a lot more direct. And it's ending. It's, a, it's like there's a violence to it that is not in the other ones, and that the other ones uh, graze over for sure yeah. with the ocean situation. Like the water is like a natural like, taking of the life in a it's weird It's a very way. like, oh, this person died off screen. This yeah, one there's like, like a isn't it really understanding. sad when he kills himself in his garage with a belt? And the dog just like eats a steak. Well, Charlie Cooper. So. I kind of want to talk about the differences between this film and the other ones and maybe like its successes, what it changes, what it updates. Mm -hmm. So it's basically the same plot as the Barbara Streisand, Chris Christopherson one. Which is camp. Which is, oh my God, that movie is so much camp. But that is because of its earnestness and its failure to achieve what it wanted to be. And the fact that like every single shot of Barbara is backlit and... Uh, wild so it's about a musician it's about a hard rockin star this is norman maine they brought back maine as the surname getting away from john norman howard of john norman howard speedway it's a little mid-atlantic <laughs> it's a little mid-atlantic um and lady gaga is like an aspiring singer and she's a waitress it's unclear if this takes place in New York or LA. It looks like it's in Queens, but then it, they're like, we're in LA. And I'm like, confused. <laughs> it is obviously Queens. And then she's like, oh, just a quick flight to Arizona. And I'm like, okay, I guess Southern California then? <laughs> like, very odd. Very like, unclear. I'll, I'll buy it at this point. Like, It's also unclear me. what time period it takes place in. Um, there's also, a conspiracy theory that it takes place in a world where 9-11 did not happen, which I love. <laughs> I enjoy that theory, but also the way Lady Gaga dresses in the first couple hours, or the first hour of the film, this isn't like a 10-hour film, <laughs> if kind only. of looks like very, like, Christina Aguilera, like Britney, it's like young very starlet 2005. of 2005, yes. Yeah, it's well. It's very much like they were wearing that 2005. Like she would be wearing it by 2008. Like you could have bought this all at Forever 21 in 2008, but you could no longer find it there. I had those. She has like these high waisted skinny jeans with like a chain across the front, and that's like very relatable. And also, there's like a cut in one of her shirts. It's that like curved cut. Yeah, it is very, very 2007, 2008. That like I don't think they ever show cell phones. 
I don't think There's so. There's like one shot of a cell phone, but it's not one of those like I have a sidekick moments or like I am clearly dating this fo- movie. And when you see a sidekick, when you see a sidekick, you know it. You see that you flip know it's and you're like, well, how yeah. did that even happen? It looks like magic. It's so good. Um, that said, there is a specificity <laughs> in the the music of Norman Maine and Bradley Cooper's performance is incredible. He's got a leathery ass face. He has a beautiful beard. He is singing some like alt country bops. So would you say this is the time I can bring up my first concern or talking point? Please do. Please do. Give me that talking point. So I listened to this really great podcast, uh, New York Times Popcast. Great, great time. They dedicated a whole hour to this movie like we're about to. And they brought up the whole issue of, like, would Bradley Cooper's rock star exist yes. in 20... And that's also, like, a dated aspect of this film. Like, would it exist in 2018 or whatever? This is so 2017. Like, yeah. can you name a, 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 a traditional, like, guitar-centric rock star? Like, I can't. Ed Sheeran. I reject that. <laughs> that's, that's literally all I have of a man who plays a guitar in Saul Stadiums. And would be recognized on the street. Hi. That's what I got. You you can be unhappy about it, but you can't deny that it is true. See, that's also... Oh, wow. I hate I know. that. It's upsetting, That's upsetting. Because, like, but is that the only one? You are correct. What about the Goo Goo Dolls guy? What's his name? He's old. <laughs> so is Bradley Cooper. But no, but that's the thing is that, like, Bradley Cooper is, like, still hot and still making albums. It's not like he's, like, Mick Jagger or, like, Steven Tyler, like, sort of still touring and is, like, really, really old. The idea is, like, he's sort of, like, <laughs> just a little bit past his prime. We're really, like, edging up on the end of my music knowledge, just to be clear. I can name, like, Oh, no. Names. I just said um, who's the good dolls guy. Like, I, I don't know, know the yeah. deal. But it but, is true that, like, alt-country is not exactly, like, a sold-out stadium kind of music right now in the same way that, like, psychedelic rock was in 1975. So I think like this whole aspect of the film kind of like puts it in a in a reality that doesn't exactly feel analogous to the one we're in. Like I don't buy it. It kind of gets away with so much other stuff in my head because it's already so apart from what I know. Yeah. That And that said, seems like a small detail, but it isn't. Allie does feel like a pop star. Um that is Lady Gaga's character she she feels like someone who was really of this moment and that she has like a couple sort of like indie piano guitar hits and then she is suddenly this like very polished pop star with dancers and wearing like black leather and weird hair that seems very that seems very of the moment if you don't dye your hair you're not a pop star you're not and if you don't um have like a cool youtube video that your dad is really proud of going viral and then suddenly have a record deal you are not a pop star Oh, yeah, I guess they do have, like, a viral video. That's how she gets they famous. Do. And Halsey's in it, so that also does kind of date it, like, a tiny bit. Ugh, wow, this is kind of there's being a, weird There's a me. lot to go into here. Um, but the, the basic plot remains the same in that, like, Bradley Cooper is, like, an aging, slightly past his prime rock star. He takes Allie on. They... This movie, though, really changes it in that the conflict... There's a lot more about addiction in this movie. So the conflict in this film is not so much that, like, her stardom is actively hurting his and we are, like, comparing the two. 
Mm -hmm. the conflict is really that like she is doing well and suddenly her life has exploded and she's very happy and being challenged and sort of discovering herself and he is getting deeper and deeper into his addiction and the last movie focused a lot more on like the heavy drug using like chris christopherson was doing coke off of like gary Busey's fist before every performance yeah i just wanted to say that sentence again but (laughs) this film like had a lot of time of like him in rehab him blacking out her complaining that he's a drunk to her dad that really the big change it just seemed to focus a lot less on like the art and it's like my art's getting good and your art isn't interesting anymore and was a lot more of like not i'm not really being i'm being held back by my own insecurity and you're being held back by your raging addiction well that means there's also naturally a bigger focus on like the male uh side to this coin instead of like the Barbra Streisand one, even though it was different than its predecessors, was still, like, about Barbara. And this is, like, still about Lady Gaga, but not really. It's more about it's Bradley Cooper. Now. Like, we're getting... It's a what? It's a two-hander. Like, it's very much, like, a film for both of them and not, like... Yeah. In all previous movies, I feel like the man was really, like, a strong supporting part. And in this one, they're really co-leads. Yeah. And, I mean, Bradley Cooper also, like, brings in his personal, like, past with addiction to the character bradley cooper when he first started acting because he was in wet hot american summer and then he was an alias but his part got cut down and he struggled a lot with addiction he said he struggled a lot with suicidal thoughts um and he brought a lot of that to this film like he really fought for this film to be made do you know who's originally going to remake a star is born for the 2010s wasn't it going to be beyonce and someone else Yes. Do you know who the director was? So nervoso. No, I don't. Tell me. Clint Eastwood. Ew. He was. Oh, well, he probably passed to Bradley because he's like his little fun man. They're friends. Clint Clint Eastwood like kind of makes sense in that he's done a lot of like, he'd done Million Dollar Baby. So he'd done like a strong female centric movie. He'd done Jersey Boys. Like he was familiar with music. Um. (laughs) <laughs> and he, the like, phrase he was familiar with familiar music with, is he'd heard funny a song or two. um no but he was like an american like master you know like it kind of makes sense to like let him do a spin on yeah. it i can see why he would want to tell that story and then but beyonce didn't work out she got pregnant they could never really find a leading guy it says i'm literally just reading wikipedia but there were like a hundred people rumored to be in this christian bale leonardo dicaprio tom cruise johnny depp will smith and it got handed off to um, Bradley Cooper in 2012, which I believe is, I think is when they were making American Sniper. So Bradley Cooper and Clint Eastwood have worked together and sort of got passed off to Bradley Cooper. And then he fought for it for the next six years. <laughs> um, so the entire like he, time we were in college and leaving college, Bradley Cooper was fighting for A Star Is Born. Yeah, like, in 2012, they were like, hey, we think Bradley Cooper might be the male lead of this Eastwood project. And then in 2016, they were like, we're going to let him direct it. <laughs> Aw, that's so nice that our, yeah. our time really coincided with his time to shine. I know. I think we were all doing a lot of growing during that time. We we really were. And look where it's brought us. Growth. And Ugh. Lady Gaga was brought on. Lady Gaga, sorry. She is so she's sort of the perfect choice for this role because she was a pop star who sort of exploded out of nowhere. And but she's always wanted to be an actress and she's had a really interesting like series of evolutions. In my opinion, other people might disagree with that. 
I agree with you, even though I think her trajectory is interesting because in it kind of starts out wild and then gets less wild or like less uh, esoteric. I don't know. Like, I mean, she starts at a place where it's like meat dress and then she's ending at, well, we see her picking back up again. Again, this discussion of camp, she just showed us that she's still capable of the fun. But like, we're kind of on this downslope with her where she kind of is becoming, I mean, Joanne is like the closest to Allie we're going to get from her. R.I.P. Joanne. She, she's no, alive. I, <laughs> no, I mean, Joanne, who the album is named after, is, I think, dead. I think oh, yeah, she's dead. And sorry, sorry, sorry. R.I.P. Joanne. Anyway, right. so Lady Gaga, like, exploded onto the scene in 2007. She started performing at, like, Lollapalooza. And she was wearing, at the Met Gala last night. In a Gossip Girl so episode in 2008. Yeah, she's in a Gossip Girl episode mm-hmm. singing paparazzi. At the, at the gala last night, she was wearing those, like, a sequined bra and fishnets mm-hmm. and heels. Just like and her old performances. Yeah, she used to wear that at performances, but, like, literally, she would put on a leotard, and everyone was like, oh, my God, who is this woman reinventing pop music? She's a leotard. <laughs> She's singing about paparazzi. And the Gaga, at the time, it really was, like, sort of this, like, revolutionary, like, weird new force, and then it turned into the meat dress, and it got so heightened, and then she started making Tony Bennett albums. <laughs> and we were all like, chill, 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 chill. People forget about Cheek to Cheek, but I never will. Um... And so seeing her in this sort of chart that rise, which is, we kind of came in during that rise. Like, we all watched Lady Gaga yeah. become this, like, crazy, huge pop star and then, like, start singing the classics and sort of go back and get stripped down, which is the trajectory that we see her go over in this movie. Yeah. And so, I, I think that's great. Uh, another thing I want to bring up then, if we're going to talk about the Gaga uh, career trajectory, is, like her and we can talk about uh dire stars in relation to this it's like her ability or compared to other actresses who've been in this role to have her career charted on the outside of the movie and then chart a career on the inside of the movie and like how those realities interact so I've talked about this before on the podcast I think that if you cast an unknown in this movie it is not as interesting Mm-hmm. because I want to see the dialogue between, like, a star persona and then, like, imagining what it was like when they were first starting out. Like, I like to imagine what Lady Gaga was like when she was, like, just in high school or, like, in these New York mm-hmm. clubs. Because you're already out. interested. I'm, I already know that she's going to be so huge, and it's so interesting to me to see that, like, early stuff, like, waiting for it to come out and waiting for other people to discover yeah. it. I think if you put someone who is maybe equally talented, like beyond the lights is a movie about a pop star right you don't like chart her rise but it's about like a pop star sort of like on a journey of self-discovery literally never even heard of it it's it's the woman who made love in basketball um it's a really talented actress google mabatha raw she is incredible in it and she's a wonderful performer but it's like i don't really care about like i'm like oh that's a great performance as a pop star cool (laughs) like it's just it's not the same i think it is not the same interest and connection without that star persona and so when I, because Lady Gaga was like, so influential, like the Bad Romance video, I remember watching it during like lunch break in ninth. That grade. was a big video because it was, was so weird. It was a huge deal. Like every single Gaga album was like something we talked about and dissected every day in high school. That was like, really a very think, big deal. I really am kind of almost grateful to like her 
presence in the pop space because Mm -hmm. it was so odd. Like, there's, like, the aesthetic of, like, pop was so, like, not clean cut because it was still, like, sexy. I hate saying that word. I don't know why. But it's, like, not uncanny in any way. Like, I want a sense of creepiness, of the uncanny, of the dare I say campy and like she really brought it there and like that kind of like turned the direction of like fashion art what was like acceptable to be into and I also want to talk about like how that's her reality in our life but like that's not the alley of the movie the alley of the movie is like uh not even like Miley like tamer than that like it's kind of like a singing about butts situation uh, not nearly as, like, artsy. I don't know. Do yeah, you know what I mean? so, I don't want to be, like, Lady Gaga taught me it was okay to be weird. But, like, Lady Gaga... Were you born this way, Allison? There, <laughs> there was Britney and Christina Aguilera, who were, like, sexy pop stars, right? They were child star. They turned into sexy pop stars. And then there was Pink, who, on, like, her first album was, like, they're trying to make me into Britney Spears that just ain't me like i'm not pretty like britney spears and those were yeah. like your two types of pop stars it was like you had your hot sexy pop stars and you had your people who were like i'm not hot and sexy i'm a little weird and then lady gaga came out and was like yeah so i have this prop i call it the disco stick and i wear sunglasses with crystals on them and i never make eye contact and i do these weird foreign dances and i exclusively wear mcqueen armadillo heels like she was so strange and she wasn't a reaction against anything that was happening like she wasn't trying to be sexy like britney and christina yeah she also wasn't like rejecting it she just like came from another planet yeah and like her songs had weird french verses and all her music videos had robots and it was so weird and interesting and i think that's why we we related so much to her people say that she's just playing herself in this film but yeah she's really not she kind of starts out as like a singer songwriter touring with bradley cooper and then she gets sort of put into what what the film might call this manufactured pop star state where she's not really saying anything in the more and she's just like writing like frankly bops with like hair body face well that's interesting then because it's like the the pop star in the movie is like not real or not like well obviously it's not real because well technically well oh what, what is, is real? real is complicated lady gaga isn't real lady gaga but, did not oh, take off her sunglasses for like a full year so i understand what you're saying whereas the alley is not true to the lady gaga experience that we had it's not yeah. that she's not real it's like not it just doesn't match up yeah and i think that's interesting i think it's kind of cool to watch like what would happen if this person that we understand is very talented and when i see lady gaga's face all these associations of like insanely invented art come up and then when i see her just kind of like sing weird songs about jeans and like not really well it exaggerates the juxtaposition of that like whole situation yeah it makes it if if anything it kind of makes clear that gulf between like what ali's talent could be and what yeah. it is, which is really the frustration in the movie where she is supposed to be this genius that Bradley Cooper is obsessed with, and she doesn't seem to be living up to her potential. And That's think- interesting. Like, using that extra textual idea of, like, Lady Gaga uh, positioning her art in our world as better than the art in Allie's world, which isn't necessarily true. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. she still wins a Grammy. Like, I, I-, I, think, it's, I think we just see a potential gap where it's like we see... 
hair body we see why'd you do that which is a perfect song fight me but then we think about lady gaga's <laughs> snl performances and it's we're about like, butts oh. it's a it's butts are great and i feel like we see that performance and then we know what lady gaga has done and we're like oh my god this person could be doing so much more yeah and so that that gap really drives home the fact that jackson maine is like frustrated with her so then that's also bringing up the question of like let's say you like lived in like a hole in the ground for the last 20 years and you didn't really know who lady gaga was and then you watch this movie like you don't have this extra idea of what the movie says good pop music is so it's kind of saying like what she is becoming is not the ideal of what she could be which is interesting because i don't think the other movies say that i think this movie has another has a comparison that it's making that is very different from the other ones yeah i mean the problem with barbara in the first film is that she has this like deadbeat husband but we're like she's the greatest artist that ever lived look how talented she is she's constantly backlit and it's also like (laughs) very comparable to the work she was making like uh did you know what i mean Mm mm-hmm and same with Judy Garland and same, well, I mean, it, the acting one, it's, like, hard to, like, deal with that. Yeah. I mean, Janet Gaynor, I mean, we were chill with. If you were, like, living under a rock and had never heard of Judy Garland, like, if you yeah. were, like, a modern-day 16-year-old. You would still watch that and be like, she's incredible, like, this is a career well-deserved. But you would not understand that tension of, like, oh, my God, she almost died. And look at her, like, reclaiming her stardom. Oh, In yeah. Way, like, I you wouldn't understand that tension, but you also wouldn't think that the movie was position positioning a way of being a pop star over another because i don't and think it's just way, like i was just saying, like my mom saw this a star is born yeah and she vaguely knows who lady gaga is like in the yeah. vaguest terms i don't think it would hit her as hard like what ally could be i don't think she understood if you put her in an ally performance next to a lady gaga performance i think she'd be like yeah, yeah. those are both pop stars <laughs> well then that kind of brings up i mean like I'm still thinking about camp in my mind, but like the idea of like taste and it's like, what if that is, it's not objectively better. Not that like any art is objective, but it's like, I don't know. Actually, A Star is Born is objectively a perfect movie. (laughs) I think objectively the first hour is chill. That's fair. I think, I think it's a lot subjectively on my end. The last hour is bonk hairs, like (laughs) crazy. (laughs) And even when you're talking about it. I'm thinking, like, well, even, like, you and me, who are both obviously, like, Lady Gaga and This World fans, like, don't value what the movie's putting up front. And I don't think the movie does either. Like, the movie wants you to believe that it's worse than what she could be doing. And knows that it's playing with what Lady Gaga's doing and is like, this could be better. Maybe the man is right. I also kind of want to talk about, like, our reception of Norman Maine. Mm Mm-hmm in this film and i think that this film bradley cooper is such a huge star and a star who has so much goodwill as a movie star Mm -hmm. i think our goodwill like goodwill like among an audience among so many audience like he's quite frankly like a four quadrant hit you have like young men oh and american sniper got him that well american sniper got him that old right wing plus 40 crowd you have young women who find him hot you have like he's in a marvel movie he plays the weird raccoon he <laughs> he's got like every base covered right he does he does and so i think the fact that this is like such a and not to say that chris christopherson is not a mega star but he was like a rock star and people liked 
him as a rock star. I think coming into this, like, a lot of people also have a relationship with Bradley Cooper, and that just, like, he is familiar, and to watch him transform and to watch him have such a a deep dive in the movie is very affecting. Because he's Mm. really playing the opposite of his, like, movie star persona, because his face is, like, leathery. Yeah, and his voice is, like, Batman, like, on a bender. He's doing a, a fantastic Sam Elliott impression. (laughs) And I think we saw that a lot in the reception of the film in the lead up to awards season. He came out and he was clean cut and his skin looked normal and his hair was all short again. And everyone was like, I think if he had kept it, he would have won more. Like (laughs) he grew it back for the Oscars because everyone was like, oh, we kind of liked Norman Maine more than we like you. Huh? Yeah. Like multi-time Oscar nominee. Like we want bring back Norman Maine. Honestly, fair. All that bronzer, like to waste so much bronzer, like every day, apparently. Yeah. Um, so, so I feel like there's so much we could talk about, like, image in this film and, like, the way that yeah. these minute plot changes take a lot of the weirdness from the 70s film and, like, make it deeply successful. But I I just think that this film packs such an emotional gut, gut punch, and maybe that is because I just have such a relationship with Lady Gaga as a star. I think I definitely have less of a relationship with Lady Gaga, even though I, like, like the song Paparazzi and, like, want it projected onto my gravestone. Like, I, I don't okay. know. Something about that sure. song, like, tickles a part of my brain that I can't get enough of. Sure. But, um, I don't know. Object, like, not objectively, but the thought I'm trying to form is, like, I, have no I like, totally lost this. it. Okay. I'm really tired. I'm sorry. It's okay. We're recording this pretty late in the day. I look forward to finding out whatever it was. What lessons do you think we have learned from across these four stars borns? What is your like concluding mini series thoughts on stars? Concluding mini series thoughts on stars is that it's all about you going into it as an audience. Like I want to think spectator. more about an I want to think about the spectator. I want to think about the audience when I think about the idea of a star mm. or celebrity in this case. Like like, I was listening to Who Weekly this morning, for instance. As we all do on Tuesday mornings. As we all do on Tuesday mornings. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, like no one here matters except for the audience. Like, even the people they talk about in this podcast who, like, people don't care about. Like, Rita Ora, for example. There's a whole part of that podcast about Rita Ora. Do I give a shit about Rita Ora? No. Do I now because of that podcast? Yes. Like audience making and the receptiveness of stars to audiences is just as much about the audience as it is about the star hmm that's really lovely i don't know about lovely i just i think it's important that spectators and moviegoers feel important i think that's nice i mean they are important because it's like do you want to cater to them do you want to subvert their expectations do you want them to feel comforted do you want them to feel upset like i like feeling upset i want that uncanny i love black swan like I want to see series. People are going to feel very alienated. Oh, too alienated! I can't wait. Jeez. Um, I think my big takeaway, I've I've really noticed how much of my relationship to films is about stars and their like career trajectories, and I think I've yeah. been surprised by that. Like I've always been a real obsessive about um, careers and actors and people. Like I really latch on to certain people, and those are like yeah. my guys. You know? I really think that's because you're so into, and again, one of the places where we differ intensely, it like musicals, like so I was much of talk that, about that. Well, yeah, exactly. Because when you when you're like a theater nerd, like 
you don't really have you can't like latch on to pop stars the way you can latch on to like actors and their careers in theater like in theater i feel like there's a detachment that you can have with characters and like this like the celebrities are even more intimate almost because they're inhabiting different people all the time I mean, I saw, like, I've seen a lot of the same shows multiple times where it's like, I'm just going to list off some stuff and brag here. Like, I saw Hamilton multiple times. I saw The Great Comet. I've now Did seen you see it at the public, though, Allison? Okay, I was waiting for my class schedule. <laughs> you know that. And I forgot to get tickets. And I saw, I've now weirdly seen Waitress, like, four times. And so I'm also used to seeing, like, a lot of different stars inhabit the same role over and over again. Yeah. And, like, the same production. And that's sort of interesting. And I think that something I noticed when I was watching Waitress a couple weeks ago during my NYU visit, Jeremy Jordan was playing Dr. Pometer, which is like the, it's like a male lead. He's like fourth build in the show, but he's just like an actor that I've been obsessed with for years. Yeah. Um, I've been following his career since like 2012 when he was in Newsies. Jeez. See, like this is all totally nothing to me. Yeah. But it was like seeing him on this stage. He has like three songs in that musical. It was nice. But like seeing him go through this part, I was just like thinking about Jeremy Jordan as a text. Yeah. And it was so, and that's really what I responded to. And I've noticed that that's really what I responded to in like Judy Garland, where I was like talking about Judy Garland as a text of this person who struggled with addiction and who struggled with this huge career, like implosion and then coming back. I've just, I've really noticed a how that's what I really like in a film. I like all of that production subtextual thing really lends a lot to the the star image for me. Yeah. So that's really interesting that, like, because of, like, how you gravitated towards theater, like, you're kind of more conditioned to see, the like, the extra textual so. understanding of, like, the celebrity underneath the character rather than, like, the text itself or maybe mm-hmm. even, like, textual, like the character or the celebrity behind it is your focus or your I think a lot more about like a gesture or a line reading yeah um with like what someone is doing on a particular line or a way that they're inflecting or a way that they are moving in a certain moment than yeah. I am about the text itself and I think that that comes out across the star is born where like we see a lot of the same dialogue repeated and I respond a lot to like oh my god what a wild way to perform that moment and that's what I like. And that's where I like seeing actors come out because I think that's a real moment where you see the actor's relationship with what they're doing. That's so interesting because I feel like what I'm always drawn to is more like tonal understandings of uh, mm. things and also like audience reception, like the rea- reality-based understandings of narratives, texts and stuff like that. Like I was obsessed with like The Sopranos Mostly because, like, I was in New Jersey, and I had, like, (laughs) I grew up in New Jersey, and there was this Yeah, they, like, force you to watch it there. They force you to watch it there, number one. But also, like, they would mention it on local news all the time. It was fucked. Like, they would film in the Caldwells, and you, like, knew they were there. And so I was kind of freaked out by this, like... I mean, the hyper-real was always my, like, go-to situation. Like, reality, hyper-reality, what's real, what's not the everything is artifice like there's no difference like i like the bigger picture tonal understandings of texts Mm. i am and i'm interested in characters and celebrities as far as that goes but when it comes to like like james gandolfini like acting in anything else i care less about honestly like yeah i am interested in him and his relationship to character to characters i'm interested in and that's, like, me being an 
Yeah, and I want and you as a different kind of audience is interesting to me because yeah. it's like maybe you want to see him in something else. Whereas like I don't really care about that movie he was in with Julia Louis Dreyfus. Like honestly, oh, enough said is so good. Enough um, said is good. Actually, <laughs> I'm sorry that I lied. Rude <laughs> to enough said. I think this is going to be a very interesting conversation to carry into our next mini series. Drummle, what are we doing next, Casey? Le Noir. Le Noir. Le Noir. No. <laughs> no. I don't know anything about you. Um, we Obviously. are doing film noir next. Tentatively, we have chosen to do Gilda. The Maltese Falcon? Do we want to do that? I think that's on the list. Uh, I suggested Mildred Pierce. Oh, I love Mildred Pierce. Yes. And um, as a... And we're, like, going to pick a neo-noir. I don't think we've picked which one yet, so I don't want to, like, oh, I can't even think about that. Oh, I'm God. probably going to make you watch Veronica Mars. Um, I'm really excited because I think that is really a genre that's built on tone, but that also has certain um, iconic performances. Yeah, this is more my... Influenced me a lot. Exciting wheelhouse because I do like tone. I like the aesthetic information that, like, informs the tone your feet like i like breaking down the aesthetics of it rather than the celebrity i think it's gonna be good i do too i think yeah 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 yeah. cool 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 cool. tight 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 it's been many months since we started this podcast but i'm happy that we finally finished all four stars a stars are born it has been so long i think a year i think just a solid year Um, of a star is born yeah i i don't know it feels like it's been 20 in my head I've lived many lives over the course of this podcast. On that note, I'm Allison Raybar. And I'm Casey Schreiner. And this has been What Did I Miss? 